Well, good morning, church. I'm glad that you all made it today. Uh, I think that uh, the weather was going to be a little bit dicey. So far, so good. We'll see how, how far that lasts. I was reminded by some of our crew this morning that um, the longer I go, the more the chances of rain actually go up. So the incentive, anyway, I'm just kidding. So we're in a series called Rhythms, and what we're talking about are spiritual practices or what the ancient church is called spiritual disciplines. And I kind of want to just go through this again because I think it's important that we, we figure this stuff out. Because normally, uh, not normally, I think everybody has a certain amount of what I call assignments in your life, different roles that you play. You can be a spouse, you can be a parent, you can be an employee, you can be uh, a child, an aunt, an uncle. You know, we all have these different roles in our lives. And so, anyway, do I have this? Should? What do you know? You want to advance it? Uh, but we all have these, event, these uh, assignments in our lives. And what typically happens is um, you, you've got this little triangle, And and normally speaking, I think um, what happens is that we get this assignment or we feel like we have this assignment and we try to do it on our own. And I understand why, because it's our responsibility to do it by ourselves. But the fact of the matter is, is that God doesn't ask us to do that. He doesn't ask us to do things by ourselves. In fact, um, I think... Hang on a second. Technical difficulty beyond our control. <laughs> but in fact, I think what happens is, is that God actually calls us to himself. Yeah, that slide is fine. Uh, he calls us to himself so that he may empower us to do the assignment. And, and we have to get that, that part straight, is that we're not climbing up the left side of the triangle here, but that we're actually being with Jesus and allowing him to empower us or anoint us, choose your language, it's fine, in order to do that. This is making sense? I think this is an important feature of what, what Christianity, Christianity ultimately argues. And so the, 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 the priority here is to spend time with Jesus. And, and the, the term that we use around here is, is the idea of chasing after the presence of God or processing our lives at the bottom of the triangle and allowing him to kind of shape us and mold us. So the, the goal is always the same. The goal is to help you find ways to connect, to connect to God. Hopefully on a weekly or on at least on some type of a regular basis. Because I don't know about you, I love hanging out with you guys on Sunday, but this is not enough to get me through the week. And it probably isn't for, for the rest of us. I need that presence of God to help shape me, mold me, guide me, and those kinds of things. And so we have these ancient practices, these spiritual disciplines, and and what we're doing is we're trying to kind of outline these things as possible points of connection for you so that you can be in the presence of God, ultimately. And that's what we're we're striving after. And so today, um, oh hey, yes, today we're going to be talking about worship and celebration. Now, at first glance, these two things um, seem very similar the idea of worship and celebration. In fact, very often you will go to a Sunday morning worship service and it will be called celebration. And there is, like I said, some overlap between these two things, but they're, they're, they're a little different. We want to talk about those. And I think ultimately these two ideas are rooted in, uh, I'll say, different sources. And so on the, on the one side, on the worship side, 
Worship is rooted in praise and thanksgiving. When we come to church on Sunday morning, we are offering praise and thanksgiving for who God is and what he's done. I think, uh, I think it was Francis Chan, I don't remember somebody who said this, that somebody told them once, yeah, I didn't get a whole lot of, a lot out of worship this morning. And the uh, comment that Francis or whoever the pastor was says, well, well, that's good because we weren't worshiping you, <laughs> right? That was really, yeah, ouch. And it was one of those things where we come to bring praise and thanksgiving. And, and so what I wanted to make sure is that you had kind of a working definition of worship. And this is the one that Pastor Dan uses. I like it an awful lot. Worship is an active and intentional act of recognizing and ascribing worth to God in every situation with every part of our lives. Now think about this a little bit. First of all, worship is an active and intentional act. Look, you don't just show up at church and worship just happens. Now, it may be happening around you, but that doesn't mean you're worshiping. Does that make sense? So the idea here is that we're doing this intentional, deliberate sort of activity where we're bringing praise and thanksgiving to God you know, on, our, on our own. And when it happens individually, then it happens corporately. Those things kind of go hand in hand. And I think it's an important thing for us to, to remember. And secondly, what I really like about this is that he talks about every part of our lives. Not just what happens on Sunday morning. Worship isn't just something that happens when you come to church. Worship happens day in and day out. And I'll tell you, one of the things that's amazing is one of those loud little kid voices happens to live at my house, and she does that all the time. You can't be in my house more than about an hour without some kind of worship going on somewhere, right? And it's a, it's a cool thing to see, but it reminds me constantly, no, worship isn't just about Sunday morning. Worship is really about day in and day out. And then finally, it's this idea of ascribing worth to God. Because when you worship, what you're, you're, you're doing is you're, you're standing before, before Jesus and you're saying, you know, you're valuable, God. You're worth my time, my energy, my tithe, my attention. You're worth these things. Now, tonight at 4 o'clock um, at our Thrive Space, 81st and Aspen, we're going to be doing a lab. And in our lab, um, Pastor James is going to dig a little bit deeper into these things. And there'll be some teaching and some activities for you to do. But the whole point is, is we're doing these labs at the end, um, or in the evening. I'll preach about them a little bit. He's going to do a little more of an exploration with, with all of you. So if you want to understand a little bit more about worship, you know, Come and hang out with us tonight, uh, 4 to 5 o'clock at, uh, at Thrive Space. So that's worship. And, and you've probably heard some of that before. You've probably heard some of that before here. You've probably heard Dan talk about it. It's hard to be around Dan without understanding what his idea of worship is. But this idea of celebration is a little bit different. <clears throat> and um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, but it's fascinating to me because celebration is sourced, like I said differently, it's sourced in joy. Celebration is sourced in joy. And we need to talk about this a little bit because I'm not sure that we necessarily um, remember this in church all the time. What brings you joy? What brings you joy? 
What brings you joy? When was the last time you experienced like true joy? I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. I'm not talking about contentment. I'm talking about joy. Does it happen? Does it not happen to you? When have you experienced that ambush of unbridled, explosive joy that just comes out of your heart? When was the last time? And and it's easy to lose. Joy is a really easy thing to lose. The business of life, the busyness of life, the cares of adulting, And slowly, joy begins to fade a little bit. And so what we end up doing, I I, I hate to say, is we end up settling for something else. We settle for moments of relief. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to get in trouble, but it's okay. We settle for just peace and quiet. (laughs) We settle for it. I'm not saying peace and quiet is bad. I'm not saying relief is bad. I'm just saying that's not joy. It's something different. Several years ago, 10 years if I remember, we took our uh, eldest daughter, Elizabeth, to Walt Disney World. She kind of looks like her sister there, doesn't she? That's not Eliana. That's actually Elizabeth. She was eight, same age as Eliana is now. Uh, we got the whole ears and the whole nine yards. And some of you have heard me tell a bit of the story. Uh, There's two things that you must understand about Elizabeth. Elizabeth has an overactive imagination, to say the least. Some of you have seen her drawings and have seen her, you know, do her theater stuff. And so consequently with Elizabeth, didn't matter what we had as a surprise for her, it was never what was in her head until we went to Disney World. <laughs> and I, I, I had so much fun because the child did not speak for almost three hours. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> not because she was quiet, because finally an experience exceeded her imagination. It was so cool. But there's this, this moment at Walt Disney World <clears throat> where Lisa had, my wife had done um, some research, and she said, uh, what we need to do when we get into the Magic Kingdom is you have to go to the back of the park because there's not as many people there when the gates first open. And so we made this beeline to somewhere in the back of the park. I don't even know where we were going. I mean, I'm, you know, dodging kids and strollers and this kind of stuff, and she's making it. And we get over by uh, kind of where Cinderella's castle is. And that's the other thing you need to know. Elizabeth was, Elizabeth was very into Cinderella at this point. She loved that movie. Except the part where the stepsisters actually tore her dress. She didn't like that part at all. But the rest of it, she just loved Cinderella. <clears throat> so we're at Cinderella's castle. And it was really cool. And, and she's gawking around. And she's like, you know, mouth agape. You know, no words coming out. She's just, you know, wide-eyed. Oh, my gosh, kind of a thing. And we turn the corner to this little alleyway behind Cinderella's castle. And there is the fairy godmother. There are no other kids around. And I am telling you, with the Disney assist, best parenting moment ever. Right? 
She's like, if we were in a room, we would have suffocated because she would have sucked all the air out of it. <gasps> kind of a thing. So she goes over and she gets the fairy godmothers. And Lisa snapped that picture. And I thought to myself, here's a kid who is really enjoying herself, right? And you probably had experiences like this too. But when you watch kids get excited about stuff, it's so cool because they don't care what other people think. They're more interested in what's right in front of them. Kids can teach us about joy. Frankly, that's part of the reason why I gave Lego sets. I wanted to remind you what it looked like when kids get happy and joyful about stuff. Now, Miss Shane is probably really mad at me right now. <laughs> I'm fairly certain of that. But the point is, is that watching their faces light up, like, and they thought they were getting candy. I baited them a little bit. Gave them le Legos? That's awesome. Not as awesome as the ones that I have left over in that bag that I get to take home with me. So, joy looks like that. Joy looks like, oh, oh, me, 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 right? Kind of a thing. I think this is what Jesus had in mind. I think Jesus thought that kids taught us an awful lot about joy. You probably know this story, but it goes like this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And, and you, can, you can kind of imagine this, right? I mean, Jesus is a pretty you know, famous guy, and he's got an entourage, and the entourage is like, no, 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 back off. You know, he's busy, that kind of a thing. I mean, notice what, what, what Mark writes. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And the word here is aggravated. Jesus is a little ticked off, right? And he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That's interesting. That's an interesting comment to make. Now, he said this before, and we've read this in, in other of the Gospels, but here in Mark chapter 10, He's getting after his disciples and he's saying very clearly to them, no, 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 you, you don't, don't do that. You, you need to understand what's really happening here. What you, there's more to this than what you think is happening. He's a little cross at this point. And then he turns the situation into a lesson and it's, it's actually beautiful. And here's what he says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. That's an odd thing to say. It's a little strange. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. In other translations, it says... Um, uh, uh, you can't enter it. Really? What's that? What's that about? Oftentimes, when we talk about this idea of receiving the kingdom of God, it, it's interpreted as trusting. Oh, you just got to trust Jesus, and, and, and when you trust Jesus, everything's going to work out, kind of a thing. I don't think that's what it is at all. And here's the reason why. The word for receive in Greek doesn't mean just to take something in. It means to grasp with the hands. Physically, grasp it with the hands. 
kind of like kids do when you hand them Legos. Grasp it. They want it. They're so excited about it. Do you see this? It's not just about being, you know, trusting. It's about being excited for it. Think about what this is saying. Think about what, what, what Jesus is ultimately saying here. Is that you are ready for it and you're reaching for it. And I think Jesus is making the stronger point. Unless you grasp and hold on to this thing with a certain amount of excitement about the kingdom, with joy, you're never ever going to enter it. You, won't, you don't understand the kingdom of God if you don't have some excitement about it. You don't get it. You don't understand this thing. We're adults. We don't jump up and down about stuff unless your team scores a touchdown. Right? Yeah. We're adults. We keep emotions in check. That's what we do. My commitment to you as a congregation has always been the same, that I would be as open and as transparent as I possibly could be. And I, I have to confess that sometimes pastors preach sermons that they themselves need to hear. And what I've learned by studying celebration, trying to understand this with Pastor James, and he and I were talking about this, joy is a choice which means celebration is a discipline. You have to choose the joy. Now, sometimes you're ambushed by it. I mean, it's really cool when that happens. But the fact of the matter is, is when we're talking about the kingdom of God, when we're talking about the thing that Jesus is doing in the midst, there's got to be some excitement to it. Otherwise, you're never going to enter it. And by entering it, I mean you don't get it. You'll never understand it if you don't have some excitement and joy over what's, what Jesus is doing. And I'll be honest, in this culture, it is really easy to be cynical. It's even easier to be skeptical. We're good at that. Problem is, is that's not a kingdom value. Joy is a kingdom value. Joy is a choice. Celebration is a discipline. It's something we have to do. And I think one more thing is worth mentioning here. In the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, there's this passage. Um, I'm going to show it to you in a second, but you need to understand something. Nehemiah came back to the city of Jerusalem after it, after it had been destroyed uh, by the Babylonians. And he brought a group of people back to Jerusalem to rebuild it. And they found a copy of the Torah, the Old Testament. And they began to read it, and there was a lot of weeping, and there was a lot of, oh my gosh, we finally found this again. And I want you to notice what Nehemiah said. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and some send some to those who have nothing prepared. That's a tip, kids. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's interesting. That puts joy in a whole new realm, I think. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Go and, and party, enjoy. Enjoy some food, some sweet drinks. And, and by the way, send some to those people who don't have any. 
That's an important thing. You ought to do that. But the day is holy. Joy of the Lord. Joy and strength are inextricably linked. The Godfather, if you'll pardon the term, Godfather of Spiritual Disciplines, a man named Richard Foster. Here he is. He's got a really long ponytail. I met him a number of years ago, and, and he's always had that ponytail. I'm not sure why. I didn't ask him. But he said this, and I, I think this is important, or he wrote this. Celebration gives us strength to live in all the other disciplines. Remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? Gives us strength to live in all the other disciplines, like prayer and meditation and study and submission, all these things that we've been talking about. When faithfully pursued, the other disciplines bring us deliverance from those things that have made our lives miserable for years, which in turn evokes increased celebration. You can see how this works, right? Thus an unbroken circle of life and power is formed. And so what happens is, as I'm joyful, I have strength to do more disciplines. Those disciplines deliver me, which cause a certain amount of joy, which is celebration which gives me strength to continue on to do the discipline. There's this cycle, this momentum that begins to build when you're in the presence of God. Understand, celebration as a discipline means being in the presence of God, joyfully. When you're in the presence of God, it gives you strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Is this making sense? Nod your head so I know you're awake. Yeah? I mean, this is huge. This is a big, big deal. joy of our Lord, joy of the Lord is our strength. If you don't grasp the kingdom with joy and excitement and strength, you'll never enter it. You won't get it. You won't understand it. These two things are in play with one another. So church, what I ultimately want to say to you is grasp hold of the kingdom with joy. Each one of you is fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God, bearer, bearing the imprint of the divine. And so is everybody else around you and the people that you meet. And not only that, not only are you, are you made in His image, you are adopted as sons and daughters of the living creating, sustaining, master of the entire universe. That's who your father is. Are you understanding this? It's a big deal. Now I know what's happening because this happens to me. There's this little part of you, the back of your mind, that's saying something like, like this. might not be the exact words, but it's like this. It's saying something like, yeah, that's all well and good. That works for everybody else, but it doesn't necessarily work for me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is true. Yeah, I understand about the joy thing, and I probably should be more joyful, but you know I'm not. I don't have that kind of personality. In the name of Jesus Christ and by the blood on the cross, the voice of shame in your head, I command you to be silent. Don't listen to that. That's not God speaking to you. 
God is telling you, you are sons and daughters. I have adopted you. You have screwed up. I know you have, and I love you anyway. And even if you continue to screw up, I'm still going to choose you because I love you that much. That's the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but that's something for me to get excited and joyful about because I blow it. And so do you. We all do. But that's why we have grace, and that's why Jesus continually reminds us of these things. And he says, look, you, gotta, you can't just be wallowing in that shame and, and shouldn't all over yourself. You know what I'm talking about. I should have done this. I should have done that, right? It's not that. That's not the point. He says you've got to grasp onto the, to the kingdom of God with joy and excitement and say, yes, this is, this is what he had in mind. That's when you enter the kingdom. It's not when you do the adult thing and deal with reality and try to think of yourself soberly. and Nonsense, voice of shame. Knock it off. Don't listen to that. You are made in the image of the divine. Live into that. Live into that destiny that he's created for you. Joy and excitement. I don't know about you, but I could get excited about that. I kind of am. Hmm. And so we celebrate because the joy of the Lord is our strength. How many of you could use a little more strength to get through the week? <laughs> yes? Let's be honest. It's true. So I'm just going to invite you. No, no, I'm not going to invite you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Pastor James and I, we often go back over here and we, uh, we stand and we're ready to pray with anybody who wants to. And I just, want to, I just want to challenge you. Maybe there's a part of you that says, yeah, I don't understand about this joy thing. I don't get it. That's fine. Can we pray with you about that? Yeah, I know I should be more excited about it, but I'm just not. Great. Can we pray about that? Can, can we deal with that? Can we talk about that? Can we love you through that? Can we, can we help? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength, and it is our joy to be able to pray with you, to walk with you as much or as little as you want us to. That's our privilege. We're happy to do it. But church, understand that joy is a choice, and celebration is a discipline. I just challenge you to live into that this week. Don't let it slip by. Don't listen to the voice of shame. 